Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. in white and blue and we're back with another packed episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Muscogee Territory at the University of beautiful and very, very wet British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And no Steve, sadly, for this episode prioritising a kid's birthday over recording the podcast when, I mean, the kid's going to have other birthdays. I mean, yeah, there's going to be other podcasts, but, I mean, come on. But where's your commitment, Steve? Very disappointed in you, especially because it's a special weekend, Zach. I know this weekend means a lot to you, means a lot to me. It's Cheap Chocolate Monday! One of my favourite times of the year. You're looking forward to, to Monday? Get all those half-price eggs. If you if you do it right, you can actually wait another little bit and go to save on, and they're even cheaper yet. Yeah, I need to get some cheap ones for work, actually. Yeah, you definitely want to wait till after Easter. Who buys Easter eggs in advance at Easter? I don't understand it. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I uh, Yeah, we'll have a big... Uh, we'll have a big... Uh, uh, gathering. Oh, I was waiting to see where you're going to have a big one off. No, sorry. Our gatherings this week, they're literally called The Hunt. Oh. Make sure you it say that it won't, just be, it won't just be about hunting chocolate, but okay. that'll be an element. But you also don't want to mispronounce that. Yeah, that's true. Yes. But we do have a, a packed show of Whitecaps-centric chat and MLS chat in this episode. We're actually going to bring out two podcasts this week. This one should be out on Sunday, Easter Sunday, April the 9th. And then on Thursday, we're bringing out another podcast, which is going to be our CPL season preview special. Going to look ahead to the season to come. We're going to delve into looking at the kits around the league. Uh, Hope to be joined by AFTN writer Felipe Vallejo. Watch for one of his articles that's coming up about the kits on AFTN this week. We've also got some interviews. We're going to be speaking to a couple of head coaches, some players as well, and a lot more besides. So watch for that dropping on Thursday. But this episode, it's all about the Whitecaps. MLS, Champions League, all Whitecaps-centric. We're going to kick off this part with the first of the two games that the Whitecaps have played since the last show. Ah, did not go uh, according to plan. CONCACAF 
Champions League action on Wednesday. A 3-0 loss to LAFC. My question for you, Zach, off the bat. If no one was there to see it happen, did it happen? Yes. Ah. It was a, a horrible evening, both on and off the pitch. A poor crowd, poor atmosphere. There was issues with the concessions, big lineups on the concourse, questionable team selection, dire first half, an atrocious 10-minute spell in the second. So much to unpack, but we won't delve into it too much because it really was an absolutely horrible one, Zach. Yeah, but was it really that unexpected? Like It was for me. I, I genuinely thought that it could be nil-nil or a narrow one-nil lead for the Whitecaps to take to the second leg. Yeah, and that's where our, I think our views of what happened against Montreal were divergent because, yeah, it felt like they, it was going to be near impossible to kick on from that. Again, I was hoping that, you know, for their sake, that they would boost their morale and their confidence, whatever, but... Uh, no, it was, it was very much, uh, yeah, I was surprised it was only three in the end. Yeah. I mean, it could very easily have been a lot more. I mean, the, the Whitecaps had made so much before the game and I made so much about before the game as well, the importance of not giving up the away goal. And as soon as that first one went in, it just felt that was game over by that point. Yeah, and it was uh whatever nine nine ten minutes that were yeah ten yeah, minutes quite, of quite hell faithful. quite faithful yeah yeah now the crowd was just over eleven thousand for this and the tournament is a hard sell not just here in Vancouver across the kind of MLS markets don't really like using that word but it kind of it'll do for now but it's a hard sell because people haven't been able to see the competition. Because it's on one soccer, and obviously a lot of the casuals don't have one soccer. As I always point out, if you've got a VPN, turn it to the UK, go on to CONCACAF, you can see the action for free in that. But I think that does make it a hard sell, and the Whitecaps tried their best. I mean, they had promotions, they were publicising it. But for a quarter final, even with that, I was greatly disappointed by that turnout. Well, I, I I didn't maybe I didn't notice or didn't come across the promotions as, you know as many as I thought there might be. But it definitely wasn't as many as the Canadian Championship. Final. No, 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 yeah, not obviously not. But um, the other thing was right. This is this this was a game in comparison to the game against the the Honduran side, where season ticket holders had to pay for it. Right, the Honduran that, yes. game was included in the season. So. Yeah, that, like that a, was the one bonus game that season ticket holders got this year. Yeah, so it was like a significant uphill, ba- you know, battle, right? Because yeah. you didn't even have that base of, you know, nine thousand ish to 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 build off of. Um, so I mean, I, I was worried at the Montreal game because they were giving out tickets for Wednesday, left, right, and center. With oh, this right. rolls won a whole row of tickets and stuff, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, not a good sign for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a little disappointing, but I think it's not that it's not that surprising. I think the other thing that I mean, the other thing about the the, the occasion was, I mean, there's a few things, but one of the other things was that it seemed like BC Place cho- chose to prepare for the game with a smaller number of people in mind. Did you hear all about that? Yeah, um, I I saw the apology that came out as well. I've got to say, well done to the Whitecaps for owning that as well, yeah. because 
Harbert and Broff on Sportsnet had a big rant. They'd gone to the game as fans on Wednesday and they said it was the worst sporting experience they'd had in 30 years. And I can imagine from being in the stands, it, it would have been... I mean, I went down to the stands at one point and I said to the guy next to me, Hey, is that a good goal or not? That's maybe a bit lost on podcast, and I've just realised my wife is sleeping up the stair and me yelling has probably woken her up. That all round that was just a that was just a bad decision on my part. Just as it was a bad decision by BC Place to not have enough staff in place for that for yeah. that game. Imagine if more folk had turned up, that would have been absolutely terrible. Yeah, and I agree with you that it was good that they wrote uh, the letter there, the apology letter or whatever. I think that was good. But it's also a little bit like I don't really buy the, I don't, sorry, I don't fully buy the, a lot of people were saying, well, look, it's not their fault. They didn't run the venue. Uh, yeah, but they are renting the venue. Yeah. And when you are renting the venue, you make demands. And so it's hard to believe that, is, that maybe there was miscommunication about the, the expectations of the crowd or maybe, maybe but, so many yeah. of the crowd w- were late purchases or whatever, but like they 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 do which is why they wrote a letter they do bear a little bit to in my in my opinion to to blame for that because it's not like they're new there it's not like and it's not like even this competition for them in bc place is new they've done this you know two or three times in the past or at least two times in the past that i can recall um and that and you know so they know what to expect um and i think too the lafc thing as much as it might not have been um a a huge draw from the normal group of people that come to their games. My understanding was there was a, a significant amount, anyways, of Italians that were in attendance. Yeah, and definitely more so Mexicans. And some Mexicans as well for, yeah, for, Vela. for Vela and Chiellini. And Mark DeSantis had his whole family there, so that was about another That's true. 24. You saw them, you saw them, the cheer, you saw the them cheering? Yeah, you saw them I, post the thing of them cheering? I saw them afterwards as well. I had a, a good chat with, with Mark. We'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that later. But let, let's get into the lineup. And, I mean, we discussed it on the show last week. I thought Ahmed and Betcher would be starting. You'd build on that. Colin Miller had also said the same in the pregame show, and he said if he was the coach, he would ride that and, and play those two young guys. You and Steve said, no, you didn't expect it. Maybe Betcher, but you didn't think Ahmed. Turned out you guys were right. And Tybert came in. When, when I turned up to training on Tuesday and I saw the team that was going to be starting, my first thought was... Oh, the social media outrage on this is going to be brutal. And so it proved for for Tybert, who's still getting it in the neck. The homie in, which I guess did make a bit of sense. But I mean, and I think when you saw that lineup, and I tweeted this out, it, it was a dire first half. There was maybe, what, three attacking moments between the teams in that whole first half. The Cats probably shaded that first half, maybe could have gone in with the lead if they'd been a bit more clinical or just pushing a, a little bit more. But I had tweeted out at halftime that it was feeling like Vanny was put that lineup out to try and keep that clean sheet, to get to the 70th, 75th minute, no goals. If they had got anything, it would be a bonus. But if they could get to that at nil-nil, then bring on the young guys, bring on some possible difference makers for the last 15 and 20, and then go for it to try and get that lead to take into the second leg. That's how it felt. And Vanny kind of confirmed that after the game, that that was the game plan. And I, I don't know that that was the right game plan. 
I honestly, I don't know if that really would have changed things because I think with LAFC, you saw them make an adjustment at halftime. Yeah. You also saw them ultimately, I, I believe, you know, win the game by having, you know, someone of, of better quality than Vancouver has. Yes. You know, at this at this moment. Uh, and they, have, they have a couple of players that are like that, at least on LAFC. And you saw that from one of them in particular. And so uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that, Van, you know, I, Vanny's game plan or a different one would have mattered much and again it was the, the the hard thing was that it was whether it was just down to the pure quality of individual or whatever you saw once again Vancouver do okay in a half and then the other team makes either adjustments on on you know on a tactical on a team level or you see an individual raise their game and they 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 have nothing to respond with yeah that that's very true, and like you're talking about that change by Ellie at the half. I mean, I'd I'd have liked to have seen Vancouver come out on the front foot, all guns blazing at the start of the second, but that the way that Ellie had tinkered it, it led to so many people saying, "Oh, once again, Vanny outcoached," and the other coaches just got the better of him, and he he's too slow to react, or he just doesn't know how to react. And I think that is a it's a fair criticism that can be levelled at him at times. And it's a concern, like, I, I didn't, I don't know if I noticed it as much last year, but it it, it feels like it's standing out significantly this season. Mm. And, I mean, you, I mean, Steve Trendle is a pretty good coach, and obviously you have DeSantis who knows Vanny. You know, like, they, I think they knew how to, how to, they didn't think they knew how to play against Vancouver. And I think they also knew that they had the, the class, the quality in their side that would be able to, you know, put them past Vancouver. So everything was undone for the Whitecaps in a 10-minute spell from the 55th to the 65th minute. Three goals. The first one, an absolute banger from mm-hmm. Dini Buanga. Uh, of course, led to the questions, is Takaoka too small again? But, I mean, it was an absolutely amazing strike. It dipped, it flew over Takaoka's head. I don't know, would a, would a bigger keeper have had a chance to get to it? Possibly. Was Takaoka maybe a little bit too far out off his line? Possibly. But you've got to take nothing away from that strike. That was an absolute belter. Yeah, oh yeah, it was a, it was a quality hit, but it's hard not to think that someone a few inches taller get a hand to that. Yeah. Because when you see it, when you when you go back and watch it, you're like, yeah, that's like, was it not like almost like dead center in the net, right? Yeah, pretty much. But- uh, so that a keeper should never get beaten like that from that distance. And as I said before, once that goal went in, it kind of sucked the life out of BC Place. What life was in it by that point, and, and you felt that that's it. It's like you've given up that away goal now. That was the one thing you just could not afford to do. Do you think like the heads went down? I think they went down after the second. It did kind of physically look like they had. Because after the first went in, Vanny May went to make the change of bring, bringing Simon and Ali on. Right. At the time they got stripped and ready to come on, it, they were waiting to come on. It was 2-0. Yeah. And it, Boingo was involved again, right? Yeah. So, I mean, eventually, like, Kubis took too long on the ball. He's dis- dispossessed. And then Opoku fires home a loose ball after just skipping past Whitecaps defenders with ease. I, I think you're missing one element of the goal. It, it felt like 
Not a great pass. That was from the keeper, right? It felt like not a great pass oh, to Kubis. yes, to start, it, yeah. It, it felt like he put him in a bad situation that Kubis has the quality to usually, I think, get out of. But, yeah, he was just, the way he was stripped uh, was, yeah, it was, it was really it well done. It was very un-Kubis-like. It's, it's an uncharacteristic error. Yeah. But I know they, one of the things they love about uh, Takeoka is that he is good with his feet. He can play out of the back. And it felt like maybe he forced it a little bit too much. He, or he, like he, he put it into a position that uh, the, he maybe should have recognized the pressure a little bit better and gone with a different option. I mean, you, you, you saw that there was urgency from the Whitecaps once they went one down. It, like the players just wanted to get on with everything quickly. Yeah. But I, I do feel the heads then dropped after that second. Betcher and Ahmed finally got on, but then it's 3-0. And in many ways, I like this goal from Buanga better than his first one. Just because he gets the ball, he's surrounded by three Whitecaps players. He does the little pullback, turn yeah. to make space, and just leaves them standing there like pylons and then just slots at home. It was an absolutely lovely finish. And I mean, that was totally game over by that point. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people were critical of Brown on that one, right? But yeah, he's he kind of just got he got kind of got turned by just a again a really quality player. Yeah, I mean it was an absolute quality play. I mean it could have been four or five in the end, but it's three now. Second leg coming up on Tuesday. Do you have any hope for that second leg? How should the Whitecaps approach that second leg? Should they just say, "Okay, it's over"? Play the fringe guys, play the young guys, maybe even some WFC 2 call-ups. I've got a funny feeling we might see that. Or do you think if they can go down and, and get that first goal, maybe take a 1-0 lead into half-time, that they could still be in this tie? Because we, we saw it in the last round. Alouenzi went there and thought, hey, we, we're three goals down. Let's just take the game to them. And it was 2-0. They had a chance to make it 3-0 and tie it up in the night and then ended up losing the tie overall. But... It, it it feels, it, I know it's Easter and it's a time for miracles, but this would certainly be a resurrection to beat resurrections if the Whitecaps can get back into this. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see. We, we know that uh, sometimes in the past, what the Whitecaps have said about their ambitions in a competition have not been totally mirrored in the discussions by the coaching staff and how they were going to mm. approach things or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what they say publicly and then what they actually then go out and, and do. I think uh, ultimately, I think both Vanny and Schuster, even though they m may feel like, yeah, this is beyond us, I think publicly they're definitely going to say, oh, look, you know, we're coming off uh, another win in the league. Uh we need to try and go out and 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 get the result and or you know get a draw. Uh, sorry, <laughs> reclaim the goals we're behind, the three goals we're behind to try and at least uh I you know try and at least get something from the from the game. Um even if they you know they tie or they they win by one or two goals and they, they don't go through then they can hold their heads high and, and whatever. So I think they're I don't see them like yeah dressing all the kids and stuff. Maybe there might be one one or two substitutes that might be, uh, you know, subs on the bench. You know, at the start of the game who wouldn't normally be there. Maybe, but that's I think more like hey, if the game gets into the second half and it's like yeah, 
it, they're losing or they're still yeah. behind by three, then yeah, you can say, okay, we're, yeah, we're going to give you 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever, to get some experience in a, in a great state, in a, you know, a great stadium uh, on a big occasion. And um, yeah, but I don't, I can't see them going down there with like all the youth, youth teams, even though I believe you're right. And I think a segment of the support would applaud that to a degree or would respect that, I guess, to, to yeah. a degree. Also, um, the, how I think sometimes things like that can play in your favour is those guys are hungry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they want to go and make a name for themselves and show that they deserve some call-ups to the first team. So you've got that going for you. But obviously, you're playing what Vanny describes as the best club team in North America just now. And if you go there with a young, inexperienced team, that could get very ugly because we've seen what LA are doing to experienced MLS teams this season. If they're the best club team in North America, how come the perfect striker doesn't play for them? Brian White? Mm. Well, just putting... Maybe, maybe a trade deal's looming. Putting Vennyisms together. But I don't think LAFC will take the second leg lightly, but I think they will rest some guys because they're going to feel it's done, keep guys on oh. the bench just in case they maybe need exactly. to bring yeah. anyone they, on. If you're LAFC, you can... Um, you can definitely have a a, a less than uh, less than usual starting lineup as long as you have some the players on the bench to come out and make a make a difference or whatever. After the match, I headed to the the early locker room and I had a really nice chat with Mark DeSantis. Not for the show or anything, just to catch up with Mark. Long time listeners, I know the feeling to Mark from the Whitecaps fan base, but. If you're long-time listeners, you'll know that we had a really good relationship with Mark. We've known him since the USL days back for the Whitecaps when he was with Montreal and stuff. So we're just catching up, having a chat. And I'd said to him, oh, have you said to the guys, okay, that's it pretty much in, in the bag now? And it's like, no, that's far from the message. We've tried to stress to them, do not think for a minute yeah. that this tie is over. Because if you get complacent, that's when, when things are, are going to to sneak in, but he, he spoke so much when we were chatting about just the culture that is at LAFC from top to bottom. How everyone, we've talked about this in recent shows, everyone's treated with respect, everyone's treated the same way, whether you're the designated player, whether you're the, the janitor. And he just is so pleased with what they've got down there. By having a club like that, by having a successful club, you're attracting good players, you're attracting better players. You decent good players move out of LAFC, move out of the league. And then you're you bring in a guy like Bruanga who's just lighting it up now. Of course last year they got to bring in the likes of Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini, who didn't even have to take to the, the pitch on Wednesday night. That's how comfortable they were defensively. Yeah. But obviously you don't get a chance to to chat with a player like Chiellini, all too often. So Har and me headed off to the LA locker room, had a very quick chat, because he basically only had four minutes, and over a minute of that was an Italian journalist that was trying to ask lots of questions in Italian, but then Har and me took over. So here's a little bit of audio from post-game from Italian legend Giorgio Chiellini. <laughs> Italiano! 
You've no, had a good experience around the world. You've played in a lot of competitions. How are you enjoying this CONCACAF Champions League experience? I, I, I start to uh, learn and, uh, about the CONCACAF Champions League for the last round. And yeah, it's, it's really difficult because six hours by flight, a lot of different conditions. Yeah, and now you start to understand how it's possible doing this uh, unbelievable comeback when you play in some places very uh, weird for us. And uh, in Costa Rica, it well, was not easy for us. We, we did a fantastic... Uh, uh, game in order to win 3-0 and we risk in the second leg at home that uh, it's really it's nice and I start to understand many things uh, about the North American soccer. What did you think of the stadium and the fans and atmosphere? Uh, I think the, the stadium is very nice, uh, the atmosphere could be better, they feel that's to be normal grass and not artificial. Yeah, what did yeah, you think of the, the because chemistry? the stadium is really amazing. I could imagine the stadium were uh, more crowded and we are uh, normal grass and artificial could be much better. The, the team this year, Vancouver, is better than the last year. is a good team. Today they, they were unlucky because, uh, especially in the first half, they have a good chances and could score the first goal. But after the first goal, we, we really we continue to push and uh, at the end we deserve to win we could, could score also the first goal it was very important because the second leg at home yeah 3-0 is a very good result it's not finished but yeah uh, we, we didn't think to come uh, come back in LA with three goals uh, in advantage I want to ask who did you give your shirt to after the game uh, yeah, I give my shirt to to Vanni because yeah, uh, I, 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 he tried to bring me in Vancouver the, the last summer. Oh, okay. We try all the way as possible. Uh, he, he's really a nice guy. Unfortunately, this trophy I chose in LA because uh, yeah, uh, the, the team was to be honest better, and I would like to compete to win the league. And uh, I, I did a good choice to be honest. But yeah, I'm. I have to, I'm really thankful to Vanni, to all the Italian community here in Vancouver because I received a, go, a, a fantastic welcoming and uh, I'm, I was surprised but, and very thankful to, to all of them. Giorgio Chiellini there. I've got to say, absolutely super nice guy. Manuel Veth had said he'd been down in LA and he was speaking to him. And he said, oh, he's a he's a guy that would just sit here and chat for hours. And he, he was getting wound up by, it was like time, time, time by the by the PR people. But you could tell he just wanted to talk more. And he's, he's one of those guys that's been there, that's done it. Just to sit down and pick his brain about the game for like 15, 20 minutes would be absolutely fantastic. So we're going to see if we can try and do that. He is expected to come back for the last game of the season in October. Some of the Italian communities are trying to get him to to do some events while they're here after the game as well. So we'll we'll see if we can get a proper chat with him. Because I I genuinely, Zach, would love to just pick his his brains about the, the game and how he sees the game here, having been here. Spoke a little bit there about the, the CONCACAF Champions League. It's kind of opened his eyes as to what clubs here have to face, all this travel and oh, yeah. going to, like he was in Costa Rica for the, the first game and stuff like that. And it's he's like been quite surprised by it all, which is, is good. And 38 and still an absolutely quality player. But the, the interesting tidbit, from our chat there is he confirmed that Vanny had tried everything 
to mm-hmm. get him here last summer in Vancouver. He just felt LAFC had the better team, a better chance at winning the league, winning trophies, and ultimately he was proved correct. <laughs> yeah, like just like Max. Um, you uh, so you have your assignment, right? I gave you your assignment between now and when he comes back. Oh, you got to watch the Juve series on Netflix. Oh, yes, yes, the Juve series on, on Prime. And I've got to learn Italian. Well, I mean, that's a little bit harder, but no, the way he uh, the way he comes across and and those are, are it's really, really, really good. And it's just really interesting to see, uh, yeah, him as a person, all the behind the scenes stuff. And then, like I told you, his is very close relationship that he had with his um center back partner in um in Bonucci um which just is really really interesting to see um a little glimpse into their lives and stuff you should watch that before you talk to him again talk to him again I swear, I think you'll have even more questions or you'll have a different line of questioning if you watch the, if you watch those shows just about his life and and even just his approach to football and um because it comes through in, in those series really really well of how passionate he is how committed he is how um yeah the i mean the the age thing like just keep on going like it it's a part of who he is and yeah if you if you have time you should definitely should watch them he, he's certainly one of those older players that, that's come to mls not as a retirement gig and he wants to give back to the sport like we, we were chatting to mark uh, about him and mark said oh he's, he's just so good he takes the young guys aside and shares that experience and just the way that he sees the game from everything that he's done and everywhere that he's played. It's what I wanted here. I wanted that experienced centre-back to come in and kind of work with the younger guys and try and bring the best out of them. And hopefully we can get a, a guy back, like an Andy O'Brien, a J.D. Merritt, one of those guys. We've sorely missed that in our defence here in Vancouver for eight, nine years now. Yeah. So also yeah. something like a team like Vancouver FC and and Pacific FC, like all these teams could do with somebody like that in, in their back line. I just think every team should have that experienced defender that can just share that experience and talk the younger guys through a game. So hopefully one day soon we will have a guy like that. When Har had put out some of the stuff that we've been talking about and how he had chosen LAFC over here, a lot of people had kind of, they were saying... Well, yeah, but why would these older guys come here because of the, the artificial surface? And that does play a part in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because when if you're a 38-year-old guy, you do not want to be playing half your season on that pitch. No. No, the, the surface... That's the struggle is, Vancouver's always going to have here, sadly. Yeah, and, and I mean, they they got around it a little bit, or they got lucky with it with some of, their, some of the players they brought in the past, like Andy O'Brien and maybe a Kenny Miller, who were a little bit older. Um, but... Yeah, it's. I think neither of them knew how bad it was, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about those. It's like I was watching Sports Scene earlier, the Scottish football highlight show in BBC Scotland. And I don't know if people are aware of this. don't know if you're aware of this, actually, Zach, but Barry Robson is the interim manager at Aberdeen to the end of the season. And oh, I think you've he told me. get the gig full time because he's done really well with them. But he was being interviewed afterwards and I just kept thinking of the reaction he got here and how miserable he seemed to be when he was here. I'm going to try in the in the off-season in Scotland to try and get a chat with Barry. What was the whole helicopter arms thing again with him? Oh, because if he played a pass and his teammates didn't have that IQ to go for it, he would just like 
throw his arms up. Yeah, okay. Right. So it I was, just remember the helicopter. I think Whitecaps officials and supporters just didn't like the perception of it. But it was just frustration because he was reading the game differently from the players that he had around him, which Kenny Miller had the same issues, just didn't react in the same way. No, exactly. I mean, Kenny Miller, I remember you used to talk to, talk to Kenny Miller, be like, Baz is, he's going to be okay? He's like, oh yeah, I'll take care of him. I'll take care of him. K- Kenny Miller Kenny Miller was one of those, I don't know, one of the great players that have played in Vancouver. Like he was, I mean, you, talk, you, uh, you know, he's not not in the same class as Chiellini, obviously, in all-time mm-hmm. you know, footballers, but he is like, he's fairly high up there in terms of, you know, his, yeah, uh, what, what he's done in, yeah. in the and he's in loved the in Scotland, right? Level. Yeah, played so, for both uh, the, the old firm clubs. It's like one of those rare guys that's done exactly. That. But he he was so he was so he was so such class and so good to deal with. And yeah, I really miss him. I was meant to speak to him last year when he was assistant at Falkirk under Martin Rennie, and then right. it kept getting pushed back, and then they got sacked, and then I never ended up speaking to him. But yeah. we, we, he was keen to do it, so we we all get him on the show to do that. Last thing about Barry Robson, in, in his kind of typical doer demeanour, he was interviewed after the game, but his team won quite comfortable. And he was like, oh, I just felt we had a, a bit of a slow start and then we really got into the game. His team scored after 16 seconds. He just wow. ignored that aspect of it and he just looked at what it was like till they got their second goal. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Anyway, that's the horrible Whitecaps game. Well, in terms of the result, it's a horrible Whitecaps game out of the way. We've got another Whitecaps game to chat about back in MLS action. And it's better things to talk about this time. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Brian White, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the first of two songs tonight from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April, American Brothers Sparks, celebrating over 50 years in the music industry. And that is the title track from their eighth studio album from 1979, I've played this one for you, Zach. It's the number one song in heaven, is the, the title of the song. It reached number 14 in the UK charts and was a top 30 hit in the US dance charts when it was re-released in 1997. Had Jimmy Somerville from Bronski Beat on the, the lead vocals as well for the re-release. 
Nice song for Easter. But what do you think the number one song in heaven would be? Obviously, the AFTN theme tune. <laughs> um, I think it'd be like a, a chorus of angels uh, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But that's just basing on scripture, Michael. So yeah, in terms of... Um, in terms of song, like song songs, yeah, I don't know. Something that's worshipful. Mm. And I know you haven't heard this song yet, and I'm just talking about it in the show, but it, I think you'll if you listen to the whole song, it does go on about like uh, the angels and Gabriel and stuff. So it does, it might be something that you might actually like for once that I play in the show. There's lots of you play that I I, pre- I appreciate. You're going to hate the song that kicks off part four, I'll just tell you that. Actually, oh, everyone's yeah. going to hate the song that kicks off part four, but it's Ice Peak. They're back with a new single, and I love them. So we've got that coming up. But we've got another song by Sparks kicking off part three. And I think as we headed to BC Place tonight, why well, headed to BC Place? You stayed out in the interior. It was, it was a long day for me. Out in the North Shore, commentating on Altitude FC, Vancouver FC this afternoon. Well, well I, I was in Vancouver today. I couldn't get to uh, North Van in time. I, I got held up with my other errands. In the first part, I mentioned that there had been a uncharacteristic error from Andres Kubis. In that Altitude Vancouver FC game, because it was so wet conditions, a corner came in and Callum Irvin went up for the ball and dropped it. And then it was cleared before it could get poked home. So at half time, he was coming back on the pitch and he saw me sitting doing the commentary. He's like, oh, you're doing play by play? I was like, yeah. And he said, what did you say about what happened when I dropped the ball? And I said, I said it was an uncharacteristic error by Callum Irvin. He's like, oh, that's good. That or blaming the wet conditions, that's all fine. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> But we did have a chat with Callum, so that will be in our next episode that is out on Thursday. But let's get back to the Whitecaps chat. It was Whitecaps Timbers, the first Cascadia Cup clash of the season. Just over 17,000 in BC place to see it. It was a bit of a weird atmosphere. I don't know how it came across on the telly, Zach, but it wasn't the bouncing Cascadia atmosphere that we've had in the past. The Portland fans to be fair, were quite loud at times. But I don't know, it just... It felt a little flat in the stadium and I don't know if it was a hangover from Wednesday or or exactly what it was or if just maybe the game didn't really light a spark under people to, to kind of bring it out. But I, I mean, how, how did it come across on TV atmosphere-wise? Just overall well, the game, what did, what did you think of it? Uh, atmosphere, I didn't really notice that much, but... I mean, it just it felt like it maybe the stadium was well, obviously the stadium was fuller than uh, Wednesday night, uh, which which was helpful. Um, I didn't have the I had the volume gone at varying levels at different points because I was actually going back and forth between <laughs> Apple and TSN <laughs> um, because of other things I had going on in life, um, and um, it, so it was kind of interesting to switch. I had um, uh, Mr. Price, who I'm not a huge fan of, and then I was listening to Mr. Caldwell. Who I know you're not a huge fan of, but it was interesting to go back and forth. So yeah, I didn't really like use. Actually, I mean, it, it seemed more lively. Obviously, like when the the goal the, the goal was disallowed or whatever. Like you could tell, <laughs> yeah, people people were there was like a relief when that happened. Then obviously, when later on, uh, there was a you know relief again when the goal counted. Um, it's yeah, I mean, the Whitecaps. 
my sense, which might not might be out of touch, you know, they are uh, still trying to rebuild a fan culture that is meaningful yeah. for them, and uh, you know, based on you know the pandemic and the issues and new leadership, you know, you know, with most of most of the old leadership gone, um, so that doesn't happen overnight, and they have some great things there, like we talked about before, like Vancouver Albion. Um, and yeah. then some, you have some people who've been there forever, you know, particular some particular members of the South Side, and yeah, Peter and, and then other groups and good voice tonight, and yeah, leading the chat. Yeah, I saw I saw Peter, you know, doing a great job leading leading the people. Um, and that and and the one thing I will say is that it's nice to know it's not. I mean, it looks like if not maybe the fullest section that's on TV is still like is that that unified GA section. So yeah. I, I think that's something that's good, and that's something that will hopefully stand them in good stead and and i mean in an ideal world that ex that that area expands in the long in the long run like i'm mean, there, there's some yeah hopefully there's some growing pains to that but uh i think that that's what they need in the in the long run but so i i think yeah is it like a cascadia cup match from years ago uh yeah prob probably not on tv anyways and from hearing what you're saying about being in the ground not it's also not i mean i could have gone to the game actually one of the you don't remember remember the casuals? Oh yeah. Yeah, one of the one of them messaged me like and said, Hey, I got free free tickets. Do you want to come to the game? And I was like, No, no, I'm good. <laughs> He's yeah, like, No, you should you should come. I'm like, Yeah, no, it's no, it's not gonna it happen. Certainly was not the most exciting. Yeah, the game was a little bit lackluster. Yeah. That doesn't I mean, help. I think going into it, one of the questions was was the Montreal game the outlier? Because obviously Montreal was a, a horrible team last weekend. It's like, was that performance against LAFC more than norm? And I think in that Champions League game, you, you certainly you saw the gulf in quality between the top, top sides in MLS and, and the others. Yeah. And I think the truth is that it's somewhere in the middle is what this Whitecaps team is. They're, they're not going to be world beaters like they looked against Montreal because not every team's going to be as bad as Montreal, although Portland gave it a good shout tonight. Yeah, I was going to say. That was one of the worst Portland teams I've ever seen at BC Place. Yeah, yeah so they weren't that much better than Montreal. Like It no, felt like. To, I, I will, before if any Timbers fans are listening, I will kind of preempt that by saying they are beat up beyond belief yes. with injuries and stuff. And they've got yeah. guys playing out of position. Which added um, to the fact of like, I like there's so many, so many players on their team. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Like, like, I was the same though. Cause I was, when I was doing the report, the I was looking at the team sheet and I was like, who, the, who on earth is that guy? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Was, there, there was one guy had played a crossing at one point and I was like, who, and he, who's he? And then I looked at the name. I was like, I still had no idea who he was. <laughs> but I mean, it, a win is a win is a win. It was a narrow one nil one in the end, but it was a deserved win, easily yeah. a, a deserved win. But I, I think I can't speak for myself here. Just when I thought the breakthrough wasn't coming, the Whitecaps found a way to to get that breakthrough because they were pushing. But to Portland's credit, defensively they were. They were dealing with most of it. Yeah, there was some calls that went in their in their favor with refereeing VAR and, and stuff like that. Was but it two? Was it one or was it two? I remember the Ranko one. It, it was two. Ranko had the ball in the net twice. 
right. the first okay, half, he danced around the keeper in the third box, but when the ball had come in from Gressel's shot, he was offside. Yeah. And then he the rebound came to him, so then he tucked it away, and then he had that header in the second half, which was a, a, a great header. But For the foul, know, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to all of that. There was five changes from the, the team that lost on Wednesday or started on Wednesday. Two changes from the team that thrashed Montreal last week, and that was Laborda coming in for Brown mm-hmm. and Gold coming in for White with Simon and Ali keeping their, their places for the MLS games. This was a chance to kind of see how the two of them would do against a full complement 11v11. Although, again, Portland tried their very best in this game to go down a man. I haven't actually looked at the final stats. Let me look at that those stats just now to see what the booking situation was because that was... Like, the referee just seemed to be bringing out cars left, right and centre. And four, four for Vancouver, three for... Is that all it was? Yeah, yeah. But all, well, but all of them but one were in the second half. Wow, that felt a lot more... Because every time he brought a yellow out, I thought, oh, is that a second yellow? Yeah, I did. I thought I had the same feeling as well. But one of those was for Vanny, too. So it was three yeah, players. Yeah, that, that's three true. Players. I thought, I thought he um, was chasing down the, the Portland guy to have a go at him. Yeah, and then he had to talk to the ref. About it. I thought, yeah. what's his name was going to get one? Um, the German, Jungworth. I thought he was going to get one for just how he was talking from the bench. But mm. he probably chose his words carefully. But, I mean, the game itself, the first half, it, it was pretty much all Vancouver. I mean, the whole game was pretty much all Vancouver. It finished yes, yeah, 13 shots to two in Vancouver's favour, nine shots and goal for Vancouver, zero shots and goal for Portland. Yeah. And that's when is the last time that? Row that exactly. No team has got a shot off uh, on target. And you, you were going to say, when was the last time a Portland team came here and didn't get a shot? Exactly. Yeah. But but again, to what you said last week, and what you say often, you can only beat what's in front of you. Yeah, and it's a credit to the Whitecaps that neither of their opponents in their last two league matches did they afford them shots on goal. Yeah, and I, I'm taking nothing away from Vancouver's victory here, just by, by saying how poor Portland is. It's just something that needs to be noted. Yeah. A couple of fun facts for you. So the the Whitecaps haven't allowed a shot on target in the last two matches. But they have not conceded a goal or a shot on target in 230 minutes now of MLS play. Now, that's pretty good. And we've talked so much that if the Whitecaps are going to be a playoff team this year, yeah, obviously they have to score goals, but it starts with shutting up shop and keeping the ball out of the net and keeping those clean sheets. Because you keep a clean sheet, you've always got at least a point on the board. That's that basically what it boils down to. Totally. But this victory tonight, because we're recording this on Saturday night right after the game, it's a five-match unbeaten run now in MLS play for, for the Whitecaps. They had a, a six-match unbeaten run at the end of 2021 as they did that big push to get into the playoffs. The, the record came in 2021 as well. They went 10 matches without a defeat now, you, you look at some of these fixtures that's coming up for the Whitecaps and it's like, oh, they could easily increase this to possibly seven and then kind of build it from there. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's let's get back into the game. 
So it started strongly for the Whitecaps. Pedro Viti had a shot that was tipped over by Ivacic in the fourth minute. Uh, Laborda had a header. That was a, that was a nice header from Laborda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought Ivacic did, did well to, to handle it, but like the position that Laborda got himself in at that back post, he good movement to get onto that cross. Yeah. Uh, you felt bad for him that he didn't actually get a goal out of that. Yeah, and he had another chance kind of midway through the first half as well that he just couldn't direct his header down and it, it just went over. Uh, and then the main talking point in the first half was that disallowed goal for the Whitecats. Veselinovic had it in the net, but it, it was clearly offside when, when the ball came in. Fierce yeah. strike by Gressel that Ivicic parried, comes to Ranko, took his time, but dug it out, went round and put it away. If you watch it back... Simon Betcher is screaming at Gressel because he was wide open wanting the pass and Gressel went for the shot. Yeah. But it's hard to knock Gressel for that because Gressel's in such fine form. And I, I think in this game, Gressel was the man of the match. I just thought he was outstanding to, tonight for the Whitecaps. He was everywhere. Maybe a couple of his de deliveries at, at set pieces went great. C corners maybe just didn't get past the first or second man every time. But he was lively, he was getting shots in, he was putting crosses into the box, and he is just playing on a different level just now. Yeah, we'll come to his assist later on. But yeah, yeah he was he was really he was really good. Did you sorry, did you mention Vite's crack from the first half? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Four, four oh, minutes in. That was a good was one. A good it was a good one. nice yeah. little tip over as well. I think Vite's needing a goal, maybe for his confidence a bit. He's not quite at those levels that I think he can achieve. It was nice to see him hit it from distance. Yeah. That had, again, wide open. It's like, we've gone about, the Whitecaps leave that for players, but Portland's marking did leave a lot to be desired at times. But goalless at half time. Second half, six minutes in, Whitecaps thought they had the lead when Ranko headed home at a gold corner. And I, I know I watched it when I got back before we started recording because I just wanted to, to see it again. I... I can see why it was given. And because the referee blew, there's not enough to overturn that. Yeah, I, I mean, I was telling you that I think Caldwell called it yeah, soft. Yeah, he thought it was but, soft. But I he's don't a know defender. That it was soft. There, there he's was, a central defender. Yeah, there, there was definitely a push off the player, it looked to me. But the I angle think, that would have been really telling is the angle they didn't show, which was behind the goal. Yeah, which is and, still I, really weird on how they do that. I know, I, was, I kept waiting for them to show that angle and they didn't, because, it was quite frustrating. Because yeah, we'll talk about it on the on the goal too. There was another camera thing that I thought was kind of weird, but um, I th I think all in all, they Vancouver can't feel too hard done by by the fact that it was called back. Like it, there there's contact and like yeah, I don't think you were gonna get that because what happened supposedly in the broadcast I was watching, Michael. I don't know what it was like in the ground. It was like he called it off right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so the VAR wasn't looking at it to. Call you know give it um give it as a no goal they were called, looking to see no is it a goal yeah and there wasn't enough for me to overturn that if yeah, the referee's yeah. called it you've you've got to have a clear thing and there's an element of doubt there could have been a push there might not have been a push yeah so I I don't think you can go back in that then Gressel had a couple of chances 58th minute he had a shot tipped over 72nd minute an acrobatic stop from a, a shot as well. But then the only goal of the game, 74th minute, and it it was it was a good goal. It was a, a nice bit of pressure from the Whitecaps. 
Ryan Gold picks the ball up, dispossesses the Portland player, fires in a really fierce shot where you're thinking, oh, there's a pass on for him, but he was confident enough to go for the shot. Ivacic produces a good save, but he can only parry it into the path of Gressel. Gressel takes the ball, has one shot that's blocked by the back of the defender. The ball comes back to him. That looked like a handball too, didn't it? Ah, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to really look at that. It was close, but he had turned around. So again, that would have been a hard call to give. But again, fair play to Gressel. As I put in the report, he was like a dog with a bone. He was not giving up on that ball. Hits the byline. And then when I saw it in the stadium at first, I thought White was offside. But then when I've watched it back since I've got home, it was beautifully cut back the ball's played backwards just ever so slightly by Gressel. So it's not a forward pass. Yeah. Was it a, cu- a cutback, though? It looks like he just smashes it in there, hoping for it to hit someone and go in. Well, yeah, for a for a pass stroke cross, it was hit yeah. with one hell of a force. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's like it pinball. Was... You just play it in and see if it hits off someone. And Brian yeah. White was the man to oblige in the right place at the right it, time. I it thought was it was ob- Betcher initially. And then when he got up, I was like, oh, it's Brian. Happy yeah. for Brian, but I would have liked, obviously, Simon to, to get another goal. But I, I know how he was you, off by then. <laughs> usually you, you like to go on and make some inappropriate comments how you like a, a cross that becomes a shot. This was more like a shot that became a, became a cross. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, it was good, though, I think, to see Brian White in that position. It's where we know that's a strength for him in the six-yard box. And... Yeah, just right place, right time. Don't know how much he knew about it. And I, I don't want to take anything away from him because he did well to direct it without it touching the hands. Yeah. I don't know what they showed on the TV, but in the in the stadium it came up, there was a VAR review to see if it was handball. I, at no stage did I ever think it was handball. I thought they were reviewing it for offside. So here's the kid. Okay, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. So at first, when they were like re- reviewing it, um, I thought, and this actually, I think I had the sound down at first, so I missed the the the, the, the verbal description. But they, um, it looked like they, um, I too thought maybe, yeah, is it a handball? Was he offside? Those two things. Obviously, it was neither of those. Uh, there was one moment in the buildup when the Whitecaps actually won possession. I thought, oh, are they looking at a foul? But mm-hmm. actually, the thing that they were looking at, Michael, was uh, earlier in the play, the ball came near the byline. And I think the whole Portland bench thought the ball was out. And this is, again, we're talking about camera angles because they only showed it, uh, and I forget which feed I was watching at the time, but I assume the feed was the same on both Apple and TSN. Um, But the only angle they showed of of what they were looking at was like just not on the angle. It was like not on the line. It was just like from the field, like is the ball fully over the line or not? And I'm just going to put it back and have a quick look at that just now. Yeah, see if you can see. But it was just like, it was just awkward because you're like, if that is what you're actually trying to determine, surely there's a better camera angle of, of that of the line. Oh, than... so like in the in the Whitecaps half, right at the very start yes, of the play. Yes, yeah, yes. That does look out. <laughs> Doesn't it look out? Yeah. Yes. It looks very out. It, it's very much, but I think what it is, I think two reasons. I think they didn't overturn it because maybe, again, like we talked about before, they don't have an actual good camera angle Mm. to determine that, which they should have. 
At this level? Yeah. I mean, with all this technology and the money that they're spending on 4K cameras and stuff. Yeah. Two, the other thing is it could be like a, you know, Japan at the World Cup situation where even though it appears that there is daylight between the ball and the line, Mm. actually in actuality, the whole of the ball has not crossed the whole of the line. But it does look like it was actually out out of bounds. I had not noticed that initially. Well, yeah, I think yeah. Savarese and the Portland bench were not too happy. And I don't know if they were, anyone else was, you know, saying anything to, you know, from their, their scouts in this, you know, in the mm-hmm. press box or whatever, were, were, were commenting on it, or it was just something that they saw and they were like, whatever. But you could tell that they were on the, on the broadcast, you could, it looked like for a moment they showed, I think it was Savarese. You could tell he was just like livid that it was going to count or that it, you know, it, it hadn't been already overturned or something like that. But yeah. yeah. So, again, I think the Whitecaps are fully deserving of the victory based on, you know, the play and you know, the stats and the eye test both, you know, indicate yeah. that they were by far the better team. But I think they got a, they were a little bit fortunate on that one. However, when you talk about the last however many years it's been in the Whitecaps and their history with the VAR, I think they've had enough go against them that yeah. shouldn't have gone against them that even if this was actually out, it's okay that VAR didn't, you know. Overturn it. When they started to review it, I was like, oh, if three goals get ruled out, that's yeah. just like that would have been, been, been intense. Yeah. Julian Gressel's now tied for third in MLS with four assists on the season. Also leads the Whitecaps with five assists in all competitions. Brian White, his fourth goal of the season in all competitions, tied with Simon Betcher. So that's all, all good news. Last couple of things I just want to talk about from the game. One, Andrews Kubos went off in the first half of yes. the injury, which initially in the press box, we thought it was a dislocated shoulder. But it's been confirmed afterwards that it's a, a shoulder contusion. And Vanny was asked after the match, I listened to him on the post-game show driving home, and he says he doesn't want to speculate because obviously it's still early days and stuff, but it's maybe not as bad as first feared. He might have to sit out the Galaxy game midweek, which I'm sure he might have done anyway, but they hoped that he could be good to go for Austin. He just right. couldn't continue in the game because he just could not move it. Yeah, that felt like it might have been the turning point of the game when that, yeah. ha- when that happened. You are like, oh no, is this I was gonna... thinking it was the turning point of the season. <laughs> yeah, that's Just how too. influential that he is for totally. them. Totally, Because they have um, not got, like, Bearhalter, I thought Bearhalter did a good job when he came in, and I've quite liked what I've seen from him this year. But you've got nobody that's near that Kubis level if he goes down to to take that number six role. You didn't talk about how um, how many goals Owen, Owen goal has. It wasn't mentioned in the stats. Oh, so. yeah. should double check that. Also, well, from the game, you forgot to talk about how... Oh, we'll get to Owen goal later. <laughs> uh, I can see your face light up. <laughs> um, you, uh, you, uh, one thing from the game was it, uh, the very, very end. It was interesting. It would have been a, a, a you know, great end to the evening for Whitecaps and their fans oh, had Dr. Casado been able yeah. to oh, score in the whatever. I, the six I was willing him to put that in just yeah. because of everything he's been through. Great. It would have been so good for his confidence. Good, good ball over the top, great run through, a little bit unfortunate on, on the finish, but, um, a good sign from him, anyways. Yeah. I, Eva Church, I mean, wasn't the greatest save but it made, made himself big yeah. the angle down. I thought he had a really good game for Portland and it's been interesting with everything that was going on and how he had basically said that Savarese was a liar and that he wasn't injured and that he was oh, yeah. not playing because of keeper's choice and then they've been losing their keepers so he's had to come in I think he, in a performance like that 
he's kind of showed, look, I deserve to be getting these minutes, and I thought he had a really a really good game. But the last thing I want to mention, going back to Bearhalter, and oh, yeah. we mentioned this when we were chatting yes. during the game. It was interesting that he was the guy that they brought on for Kubis as opposed to Instead Kyber. of Rusty. But I guess yeah. they are looking for that six. And I think Bearhalter is the better six than the Tybert. I mean, can you even describe Tybert as a six anymore? Is Tybert more an eight? But what is Russell yeah. Tybert? This yeah. <laughs> you, you said you wanted this to be a, a shorter podcast, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the listeners can write in. What is Russell Tybert? Yeah. Discuss. Yeah. You're going to get some interesting oh, It's going to be some interesting tweets. I'm, I may regret that, I think. <laughs> Let's wrap this part up now. That is it for our look back at the, the Whitecaps win over the Timbers. We've got a lot more Whitecaps and MLS chat to come, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is another song from our Artist of the Month at AFTN for April, Sparks, the American Brothers. And it's another song from the 1979 album, the number one song in heaven. And this is one of my favourite Sparks songs, Beat the Clock. 1979, as I've mentioned several, several times on this show, especially when we're doing all the songs one year from 1979, is for me the best year in music. And this is a song, Beat the Clock, by Sparks. It was their third biggest hit in the UK, reaching number 10, and their third and final top 10 hit over there. It's interesting for an American band, they haven't really had any American hits. And it's they seem to have a cult following over this side of the pond, but they've had more hits o- over in Europe, strangely. And if, like, you guys weren't familiar with Sparks, but one of the brothers, Ron, uh, he has a kind of Hitler moustache, and he plays the keyboards, and he, he just gives these really creepy looks. And as a kid, especially in Beat the Clock, the looks that he would just give the camera, it was just really, really creepy. So if you've never seen that, like, dig out a Sparks video from the 70s and just look at him, give that stare to the camera. Well, if you like 1979 so much, why don't you play this song by Smashing Pumpkins? I've played that a lot over the years. On the show? On the show? I think I have, actually, yeah. Okay. Oh, maybe when we were on the radio, I think you did. Sorry, when we were in the radio studio, (laughs) I think you played once. 
Smashing Pumpkins, one of my favourite bands, and also one of my favourite compliments to, to give Caitlin. Moving on now, back to the football chat, and it's time for one of the interviews that we're going to bring you to round off the show. So, last week, Ali Ahmed got his first MLS start, got his first MLS assist, got his first MLS goal, Everything's coming up. Roses for Ali got back in the starting lineup for the game against Portland. Didn't register a goal or assist this week, but it was another good performance. He was fairly in the, the wars, I thought, though, Zach. He was getting kicked about all over the pitch, especially in that yeah. second half. But we. They, they, they mentioned in the brackets it was cool. He, like, Ramadan, I think, ended at yeah. sundown. So, like, at one of the breaks they were like giving him yeah food he stuff. went and, and got yeah. some stuff so I, I got a chance to catch up with with Ali this week at training so we, we spoke to him at training on Tuesday just to, to talk about that performance in the the game against Montreal and talked a little bit about his fasting and Ramadan as we talked a little bit in the show last week and then just looking forward to his hopes now to, to build on that for the rest of the season so go stick the kettle on Grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with Ali Ahmed. So you've had a couple of days now yeah. to kind of process everything that happened yeah. at the weekend. Are you still pinching yourself at how that played out? Uh, for sure, 100%. Uh, my first start, my first goal, my first assist to happen... Uh, in the same game and the first time I started it's crazy honestly it's a crazy feeling and also for it to to happen while I was fasting was it's, it's another special moment you know last year I made my debut my MLS debut while fasting this year I score while fasting and the system is while fasting and then also most importantly it was at home special feeling Saturday night against uh, rivals Montreal uh, so definitely special 5-0 win and we needed those three points too so BC plays three points nothing better honestly Talking of fascinating I was going to ask you about that because I heard you on the pre-game show yeah. and you were talking about it and I didn't know too much about it so mm-hmm. I've read about it over yeah, the weekend yeah, yeah. so you'd mentioned that you feel more mentally focused yeah, and you yeah. actually feel mm-hmm. like better physically with that can you yeah. maybe talk a little bit about how it produces that in you? Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's it is a physical uh, physical challenge for sure. You know, if not not eating the whole day, but you know, I think fasting is just a little a small part of you know the the whole point. You know, yeah, I'm fasting with my my stomach, but I'm really f- fasting with my tongue, my eyes, my ears, just my whole uh, you know everything behavior. You know, just trying to trying to be a better person in this month. So uh, you know, when uh, your faith is the strongest. Uh, I feel the strongest. So, uh, and this month is a time where we try to build our faith up and try to, you know. So that's what I meant when I said I feel mentally more focused. Is that I feel I just feel much better as a as a person and and everything. So I feel more locked in and um, and honestly, it's just it's like last year I had four games in MLS Next Pro and I felt like I had four of my best games while fasting, which is so crazy. But uh, yeah, I feel I feel much better while fasting, honestly. Talking about special kind of moments at the weekend, yeah. your family was there to see it. What was what was that weekend like spending with your mum? Uh definitely extra special. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, obviously a big shout out to Vanny too for he gave me a couple of days notice so I could get my family out. 
you know. So I thank him for 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 letting me know, you know. And obviously, when your family's in in uh, the stands for the game and and you score a goal and you and you have an assist and you win, it, there's no better feeling. Honestly, it was it was something that you know me and my family dreamed of to have moments like that. So to act for for that to actually come to fruition is is surreal, special. Last year in MLS Next Pro, we, we talked about and you had that injury midway through through the season. Mm-hmm. When you had that injury, mm-hmm. like mentally, how how did that affect you? Because you, you knew you were on the cusp of maybe making this breakthrough, and then that injury came. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mentally challenged for sure. I can't lie. That was my first ever injury. It's funny because that whole same week, uh, our whole second team, including the med staff, was saying, "Oh, oh Ali." Oh, never gets hurt, never in the med room, never this, that. you never get touched. Because I never, ever had a knock or any any, uh, any injury for years, like ever, actually. So that was my first injury, so it was mentally challenging, you know, because I was I felt like I was in a, a groove too, you know. And it, it kind of did slow me down because it was a kind of serious injury, you know. Luckily, I avoided surgery, but, you know, I took, I took that as a, les- a lesson, though, for sure. There's a lots of lesson to learn from that because, you know, you, there's, there's going to be injuries in, in my career hopefully not I mean but like uh, yeah. definitely lessons took from that but uh, it helped me even become stronger honestly to c- come back even stronger you know uh, to appreciate every time I'm on the field you know every time I'm able to train every time I'm able to play it just it was a lot of less lessons learned so I'm happy not happy it happened but happy I learned a lot of lessons from it okay so we've moved back inside after that hailstorm so uh, just a couple more things to ask you on the pitch on that game, the, we talked a little bit about it after the match mm. as well. The chemistry that you've got with Simon out there, it, I mean, it felt that you belonged. It's mm. like you didn't look out of place. Is that how it felt from the minute that everything started? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the first 10 minutes, first five, 10 minutes, I was having a little problems with uh, the little, uh, pace of the game because of the fasting. So, you know, it was affecting me a bit. But I feel after I got some water, I got some fuel in me, after I got some uh, touches on the ball, uh, after I completed my first pass, I felt like, all right, uh, I can get going now. And after, I would say, the first 20 minutes, I felt like I felt like, like any other game. I felt like myself. Uh, I wasn't thinking too much. You know, uh, the game just came easy. And then, of course, having Simon in front of me, you know, it showed on the goal. You know, he's seen, he knows where to be when I have the ball. Even when I have the ball deeper, he checks in one two he knows how he knows how I like to play so definitely having Simon again like I said helps to have in front of me but uh, as the game kept going I definitely felt like you know we belonged and uh, you know we can do some uh, we can do some damage the way that the game was playing out it kind of looked like Montreal just had no answer Mm -hmm. for your pace Simon's pace Mm -hmm. just the the fast pace that the whole team was doing Mm -hmm. as a player did, was that in your mind quickly that you realised they were really struggling to handle your yeah, pace? Yeah, for sure. Once I felt uh, we scored, I think it was the first goal. I felt like uh, we 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 started to see that you know they 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 kind of lost uh, belief that they could they, that they could hang in this game. So as soon as we we seen that, uh, we 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 were hungry for more. And and you can see from the second goal, we scored like forty seconds. I'm not sure how long it was after, but it was right after. So you know we were hungry. Uh, we know we we knew that uh, we knew that we once uh, we scored this first second that the, the game the game needs to be put away so we were hungry for more and and uh, and it showed. Obviously, there's been a lot of hype now about you and Simon after the weekend. You made the team of the week. Mm-hmm. So how do you push on from this? How do you stay mentally focused to to take your game to even bigger levels? 
Uh, definitely. You know, it's first of all, it's it's lovely to get the the first one out of the way now. You know, like the first start, the first goal, first assist, whatever it is. Uh, to have that will help us in the future. You know, like now, I would say less pressure when we when we start again, or less pressure when we're on the field. Uh, but I don't think we 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 need to be too high on this for sure because you know there's ups and downs. So I think uh, definitely uh, have we definitely have a couple of days to have a, to, to 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 embrace this moment. But we gotta understand that's a long season, and we gotta keep working even more, not even more if anything. But uh, and show that it's, it was just not a one-game thing, you know. We we're hungry for more. We want to win. We wanna we wanna show ourselves. We wanna we wanna we wanna win trophies. You know, what I mean, not just not even just make the playoffs or go, we wanna win. We wanna win it. We wanna win it all. You know, what I mean, it might sound crazy, but we we really do so. Um, we just gotta push, keep pushing. Awesome. Cheers and good luck. Ali Ahmed there, just talking all things Whitecaps. It was great to, to catch up with Ali again. I, I, I said last year, I said last week, that I'm really rooting for Ali. He's just such a nice guy. When he was out with that injury last year, we had a number of chats uh, at Swan Guard after the games, when the players were coming off, just chatting about how his recovery was going, the, the season, everything like that. And he touched on it there. It it was mentally difficult for him because hmm. he's never had an injury before. So it was his first injury and it was close to maybe needing surgery. But mm-hmm. as it turned out, it, it, he didn't in the end. But he was just on the cusp of making that breakthrough last year. And... You've seen it before with young guys. Sometimes that's their one chance and they don't get that second chance. But thankfully, got back in the team, string of good performances, got that MLS deal and hopefully going from strength to strength. Really great guy to talk to. So let's round up the rest of the action in MLS West. The Whitecaps victory sees them sitting in eighth place in the standings on nine points from the seven games played. So... When we spoke to Axel a few weeks back, he had targeted nine points from the three league games that were coming up, and we were like, ooh, that's optimistic, maybe, or challenging. But it's six out of six so far, which is what you were wanting. And they're going to an Austin side now next week that are in all sorts of bad form. And they kicked off the MLS Western action this afternoon. It was the game that was live on Fox in the US, live on TSN here. And a 3-0 win again for the Whitecaps Conquerors from midweek LAFC. And this time, Adeni Abuanga hat-trick. Yeah. And two good goals again in that. <laughs> that second goal there, just uh, hit on the volley. Wow. What a yeah. Yeah. It was impressive. Yeah. Very, very, very impressive. He is looking phenomenal just now. If the LAFC fans do not have a, a version of Blondie's Denis Denis for him, I don't know what is wrong with them. They need to get on that. But he looks a right handful. I could see him getting rested midweek for the second leg of the Champions League. I hope he is. The yeah, I can see that too. Five goals in, in four days is a pretty good return. LAFC dominated this one, 26 shots to nine. But they only got six of those shots on target, whereas Austin had four. But... We've said this for the last few weeks. Austin are not the Austin from last year, but still clinging on to that ninth and final playoff spot. 
Yeah. It, yeah. Austin is, it, it's weird to see them have such a big fall off from last year. And you wonder yeah. if they'll be able to uh, right the ship um, because they have been so exciting and they have a, you well, know, they brought a great... in, I, I, like they brought in some really top MLS talent. Yep. To, to add to what they had and like Drew you see and other guys and I was like wow they've really built strongly don't see them catch an LAFC but I could see them being second or third and I mean they still could be but it's yeah it's been very surprising going there next week is perfect for the Whitecaps I think that's the ideal time to have this trip to Austin oh yeah totally totally and like, like you said it, you know, Axel's desire of 9 and 9 could come true uh, but that'll obviously be the hardest of. You would think it would be the hardest of the three games. Yeah, and they're they're one one and one from their three games at at home, and I kind of feel they're maybe going a little bit back to what they were in their first season. But yeah, catch them at this point. Even if you get a draw next week, I think that's a fantastic return. Seven from nine for the Whitecaps going into a bye week, and then I think it's Colorado that comes to town after that who are also not in, in great form. It was Miami nil, Dallas won. Your boy Jesus, Zach, on Easter weekend, scores the only goal of the game in the 27th minute. Ball just ricochets him wide open in the six-yard box, puts it away. Dallas, again, maybe punching a little bit uh, above their weight. Takes them to fourth in the standings, 11 points from their seven games, but they're... They're one of those teams that just seems to do what they need to do to get points on the board, especially early on. They've been very good in recent years at getting those points on the board, and then they fall off dramatically. Yeah. Uh, Ferrer's goal was yeah pretty simple, obviously, but he, he looked really good in the game from the get-go. He was he was kind of flying and uh, showing his qualities and probably could have had another uh, another goal or two in the, in the game. Um, yeah, I wish Steve was here to talk about Miami because... I mean, you know, going on the road is difficult in MLS, but um, yeah, they'll be disappointed to not yeah. get something out of the game. And I mean, they're sitting twelfth in the East now, and I mean that is a team that if they do not perform, they are gonna like make that coaching change. And there's a few coaches I think that are going to be looking over their shoulder in the in the rest of this month. But Neville's certainly a guy that if he doesn't turn things around quickly, could be on the outs there. Now, normally when we go through these games, I kind of go through in the order that the games were played, but I'm going to keep the next game at last because it's obviously the most talking point. So, Chicago Fire 2, oh. Minnesota 1, a Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara first brace. First half double. Th- that uh, opening Happy goal, fun. opening goal is not, with his left foot, is not one he will remember as a classic, but his second was that diving header, diving, glancing header. That's your typical oh. Kai. Beautiful. I, I still would have loved him to have stayed here. I still would have brought him back here when he was available because you know he's always going to be good for goals. Yeah, he it was is like Toss of... Ricketts. You know Toss was going to get some goals at some point in a season for you. Yeah. Kai, a different level above that, I think. Yeah, exactly. He he is one of those few players, I think, in, in MLS who has like a fine wine just gotten better with age. Like mm. he is... Still, still going, and uh, yeah, still worth the roster spot and whatever you can uh, swing to to get him on a contract in this league. And, yeah, do it. Yeah, Kervin Ariaga did pull one back in the second half for Minnesota. It wasn't enough for a comeback though, so they're 
unbeaten record has gone. LAFC, yeah. the only unbeaten team now in the West. FC Cincinnati, the only unbeaten team in the East now. It was Houston 3, Galaxy now, and the Dynamo spanked the Galaxy. Did you watch this game? I did. This is one of the this, ones that I okay. didn't watch the goals, but I watched the sending-offs. Yeah, so I watched the I watched the, the full, whatever, seven highlights or whatever, and... Um, I, I I didn't do I don't know why um, Chicharito like didn't start the game and I don't think Douglas Costa started the game either. Um, he didn't finish it. No, he didn't finish <laughs> it. Um, but uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, well it was uh, the opening goal was Herrera, right? Mm-hmm. Herrera from a free kick on the side that kind of just he bent and it went by everyone and went in the far corner past Jurgen Junior, uh, Klinsman, <laughs> Klinsman's son. Um, who was starting again because I think their number one's injured. Um, he got injured against the Whitecaps. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so it wasn't a, it wasn't great. But then, yeah, the the second goal was the, the, the penalty, and that's where you saw the first red card because uh, uh, Caracas, am I saying it right? Caceres. Caceres, sorry, Caceres. Caceres. Martin go- Caceres. He goes over. He I goes know, over. <laughs> He's such an idiot because he's on a booking. He goes over and is talking to the ref while he's trying to watch the bar. He puts his hand he on him as well. Like, he puts doing? his hand on the show and the ref and just like, looks I'm gonna at him like, yellow, I'm gonna, Yeah, I'm going to give you a yellow card. And then uh, I think as he's pulling out the yellow, he's like, oh, yeah, starts reaching for the back pocket. <laughs> it, it, was, it was one of the most stupid. Because I, I was looking at the, like, during the game because I didn't have a chance to watch all this. So I was trying to watch as many highlights and goals as I, as I could during the second half a BC place and it had said that he got sent off for entering the refereeing area and I was like oh I have to see this yeah it was so dumb so he gets sent off Bassey no relation to Derek scores the penalty and um and then he got Bassey got a second uh, a, yeah. another another goal late but then they had brought on Chicharito and Herrera of course uh you know they're they, they know each other well he clatters into to yes. Chicharito it Second was a booking. thumping. I mean, that yeah. was that was a deserved booking. He, he gave one of those classic Concacaf turnarounds. Like, oh, what was what was so bad about that? <laughs> like, you I, know, like, I got there as fast as I could. Yeah, and so he uh, he got sent off, and then I think it was I don't know if it was right after or whatever. But then yeah, two, two Doug, minutes later, Douglas talk, Costa like took the ball on a throw in or whatever, wouldn't give it to them, and excited a small little riot. And then he was uh, also taking an early an early exit. But you saw the last picture Costa's I saw was sending off though. It was on one of the the young guy reigns. He just takes him from behind and like pulls oh, him yeah. down by the neck like a wrestling move. Yeah. Okay. How many I, guys I got sent off? Get... How many guys got sent off on that last play? Was it just Douglas? Was, oh yeah, it was just Costa. Him. Okay. Yeah. Because it was a kind of a crazy. Yeah. The there was a. The referee's hand was in the air with the red yeah. card. Yeah. Like, many... like rightly so though the Houston players were fuming because that was a very dangerous tackle and i think costa will get an extra game for that well then okay so i missed i must have missed the tackle then but because then he'll he'll not only that then after he got sent off i think he kicked the ball into the crowd oh, so he might even get more disciplinary action for that because it wasn't like wow. a hey kid here's a ball it was like a booting the ball towards the crowd so the galaxy are still winless and they're sitting yeah. second bottom now just with the fact that they've got a slightly better goals for but so the, the, the pressure's on Greg Vanny, yeah. surely, surely, surely. And I know we can do the don't call me Shirley thing. But, I mean, I, I said in our season preview, I 
did not like the fact that they have not strengthened. And I had them missing the playoffs last year. They got in in fourth, and I think that saved Vanny at that point. But he has to be feeling the pressure now. But, I mean, would the Galaxy pull the trigger early? This this is, a, again, using the market word, this is a market where, well, this is a club that, and I've said this before in the show, if you go to Europe up until maybe four years ago and you said name an MLS team, they would say the LA Galaxy because oh, yeah, of yeah. Beckham and just everything and the powerhouse that they wear. But their star has waned so much of late. They've got their cross-city rivals now that's one of the best teams, if not the best team in North America. They cannot afford a lacklustre season. You've seen some of the crowds at, at their games and they have not been good. So I think Vanny, he could be looking over his shoulder. Neville at Miami. Savarese as well yeah. has to be watching at Portland. The only thing that might go for Savarese is they do know it's an injury crisis. Yeah, and he has one. He has one. I think he has one in MLS Cup, and they also were thinking saying in the broadcast today that he's actually the longest-serving PDX manager in the MLS era, and his deal has been not that maybe this summer or something mm -hmm. extended to like twenty twenty-five or something. Yeah, um, the, I mean, he's a good boss. Uh, but they cannot afford to miss the playoffs two years running. No, no. And if you miss the playoffs with nine teams going in, any team that does miss that, you've got to ask serious questions about the management, the building of the squad, and that counts for the Whitecaps, that counts for, for whoever. So Yevani could be in a little bit of a sticky situation there. I would so also have said Peter Vermees would as well, but he signed this new deal, which might, I assume, make him safe. So yeah, what were you going to say, though? Well, I was going to say you're saying at least one Vanny will be gone by the end of the year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I was going to say Peter Vermees, he signed a new deal, but they still can't get results. <laughs> yeah, because he, he extended his contract. Because we had recorded a show where I said, I, we, we discussed, is his future in doubt? And then the next day they announced the contract extension. So I actually cut that out of the show, so that bit didn't go oh, to right. air. But... In a normal circumstance, you look at the fact that KC were awful last year and they're even worse this year. They're sitting bottom of the West. They're winless. They've got three points. They've scored two goals in the season. Yeah, what's wrong with Johnny? Oh, he is so out of, of form that the Whitecaps should trade for him. Is he just... <laughs> is he just... Um... He's a fresh you know, start here in Vancouver with his his best Dundee United bud Ryan. I'll speak to him. Does he is he just like heartbroken over you know not being with Scotland all the time? Or no, he is with Scotland. It's Ryan Gold is not with Scotland. No, Johnny hasn't been involved with Scotland even when he had that really good season where he was lighting it up. Because as soon as Steve Clark came in, he, oh, right, he okay. doesn't he doesn't think MLS is a quality league. Right. He hasn't been calling players in from Belgium because he doesn't think that that's a good enough league. So it's like Scottish Premiership, English Premiership, Championship, and even the Italian guys have struggled to get into the squad. It's very, very weird what he's doing. Sorry, so you're telling me Scottish dudes who play for in Syria aren't getting called? Yeah. Or they, they've been called in recently but not starting. But it's hard to knock it because we've just beat Spain and we're top of our group unbeaten. Hmm. So oh, that's right. Yeah, something right. seems to be working. 
But getting back to MLS and Peter Vermees, Casey lost again. It was the battle of the winless teams, and it was Colorado Rapids that got the win on the road. Diego Rubio's 68th minute goal saw that win. Poor Paddington Bear is just... He can't turn this around there. I don't know what the answer is. RSL 3, Charlotte 1. Swiderski put Charlotte ahead in the first half. But three goals in six second half minutes from Ruiz, Julio and Savarino. So RSL lick the clit and come away with a big three points. Zach's just shaking his head for podcast listeners. Makes good podcast audio, Zach. Yeah, knowing you, you'll splice in one of my laughs. Oh yeah, I'll do your your raucous one that I have. Thanks for leaving such a big gap so I know where it is to put in the edit. <laughs> I'll just cut that one and just move it back as well. No, don't. The final game of the day, but not the final one we're going to talk about, Seattle 3, St. Louis 0. Now, I haven't seen any of the goals because obviously <laughs> it was getting played at the same time, but I do know that Jake Norwinski scored his first goal of the season. Unfortunately, yeah, it was in his own net, but... Yeah, he scored. he scored with his left foot. And I mean, he played left side, left sided side center back so much that you think his left foot would be a little bit better than that. <laughs> Three second half goals from the Sounders did the damage in this one. But here's a little funny story for you. So, regular listeners will know, and people that use Twitter a lot will know how much our good friend Har loves Jake Nerwinski. I mean, it's baffling, but she she loves the guy. The whole Jersey connection, her and him and Brian White chatted loads last year. But it was an 89th minute own goal. So, Har seems to have an alert on her phone for Jake Norwinski. <laughs> so, her phone went off and she said, Jake scored! And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. like, no, seriously. And she shows me the phone and I went, Har, it's an own goal. <laughs> and she's like, no. And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. Oh, I do enjoy that. <laughs> hey, um, speaking of um, the Flanders, hey, you'll never guess who opened the scoring. I haven't actually seen that. Let me dig that up. Oh, just guess. Was, was it Freddie Montero? No. Oh. Uh, oh, I've, I've looked now. Atencio! <laughs> no, the op- Am I looking at the wrong thing? Well, um, it says uh, Atencio. Maybe it was the second goal then. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it was Rui the Diaz. Goal. Got the second. Raul Rui Diaz. Would Who you have him here? <laughs> Who would want that guy on their team? Ah... We've got a few episodes without you saying that. Yeah. Oh, it, so, it was it was it was a weak goal from him. The first one was a big goal. I, I, I big. maybe should have saved that game to the end so we finish this part on a high because sadly we're not going to finish on a high and we're going to come back to the, the other game featuring a Western team and it was oh, New yeah. York Red Bulls one, San Jose Earthquakes one. Christian Espinosa fired San Jose ahead with a nice finish in the 80th minute. They were looking for their first ever win in New York, but it was denied by Tom Barlow, who scored in the 107th minute, 17th minute of the 21 minutes 
of stoppage time that was added on. And sadly, the goals are not what everyone's now talking about from this game. And it is going to be one of the big talking points from the weekend. And obviously, it's going to be a very fluid situation. So we are recording this right after the Whitecaps game. So we've got things that may have come out that we might not have seen. But basically, there was an incident in the 54th minute. Judson got a booking. If you watch the highlights, it then cuts to the 79th minute and you would have no idea what had happened because MLS have cut everything out. But uh, then there was the tw- 21 minutes at it. Yes. And folk would be watching those highlights going, oh, I wonder what happened to get the 21 exactly. minutes if they didn't yeah. know. But in, in short, and not making any light of this at all, it turned out after the game that Jeremy Ibobisi was apparently the victim of racist abuse during the game. No, he says it wasn't it wasn't said towards him. Well, that is what the player said. is saying afterwards, saying, I didn't direct it to any of you guys. It's what the player has said. Oh, uh, I, I thought... watched Ibobisi's interview, oh, okay. and I've, I've got to say what a remarkable composed man and an absolute credit to the game and to, to San Jose to I mean he's, he's going to be in a bit of shock still but he just spoke so articulately and calmly about what had happened whilst clearly raging yeah. about what had happened and I mean it, it baffles me that this still exists in the in the game even more so when you know how many cameras and everything's about and microphones and, and stuff. Now, yeah. the the player that has been mentioned that has been involved, allegedly, we will see, is Belgian forward for Red Bull's Dante Van Zier. And there was a video review to see if they could see that he had said these words. And it was a long stoppage while they tried to find it and they couldn't initially find any any proof. So they, I think they booked him and the game continued. It then transpired after the game, Lucci Gonzalez said that he had gone to New York coach Gerhard Struber and said, if that was my player, I would be taking him off the pitch. He should not be continuing. And Struber refused and play them on. Mm. Now, whether he doesn't believe that the player said that or what, I don't know. But it's just, it's just a horrible situation. And th- yeah. this comes in a week, which I, I don't know if you saw this, Zach. We didn't have a chance to chat about this beforehand. Did you see what happened to Theo Bear in Scotland? No, no. So after the midweek game for St Johnston, Theo was coming off the pitch, and a home fan directed racial abuse at him. Now, the fan was quickly identified and has been banned for life by St. Johnston. And in the 17th minute today, the St. Johnston supporters had a big anti-racism banner for Theo, which was a lovely touch, and he tweeted out how much he he appreciated that. But, I mean, this has happened in Scotland on and off, and it's got a lot better there, and there's more and more players of colour playing in Scotland now, and... We spoke to a guy that used to play for East Fife, uh, Nathan Austin, Fash is his name. And we spoke to him about what abuse he's had. And he's had, when I was younger, I used to get it all the time. But as I get into the adult game, it's kind of, he felt it's kind of almost been eradicated in Scotland. 
Mm-hmm. And you kind of think it has been here, and then something like this drops up every now and again. Now, we will say the player is denying that he directed it at anyone. Didn't seem to deny that he said it from what um, Ibobisi said, but yeah, this is, but, more, more stuff's going to come. MLS have issued a statement, Red Bulls have issued a statement. But yeah, as we've had discussions before about things like this, right? It, it doesn't necessarily matter what your intentions are when you say something. Yeah. Right, it's whether it's what you it's what you say that matters, yeah, and and how that is or can be interpreted by people. The the tough thing though in cases like this is proving it because if yeah. it hasn't been picked up on any camera or microphone, it's it's just one word against the other. So there might be nothing that comes off this. Yeah, but it's just it's just so sad in in this day and age. I just don't get it, and when. When I'd been told there was this an incident and uh, it was because of a language that was against MLS policy was the first thing that I saw because it was an MLS tweet about it. And I immediately thought, oh, it's going to be a homophobic slur mm. because that does seem to exist a lot more in the game now than, than the racial stuff. I'm not for any minute saying that they're separate things or that one carries more weight than the other. Both are completely unacceptable. But it does seem to be more common, that that kind of abuse in the game, sadly. But then when you find out it's racial stuff, it's just, I'm like, wow, just crazy. So we'll see what comes of that. It's going to be a very fluid situation, but it, it's one of those things you hope they can find proof. So yeah. it's not just hiding. So there's resolution, yeah. Yeah. Or or proof that he didn't see it. Yeah. And it was, it was just misheard. Because that would be the, the the thing as well. If he didn't see it, or and it was misheard, but J- Jeremy is pretty adamant. He knows what he heard. Yeah. And San Jose considered walking off the pitch. Yeah. And Jeremy had said to them, no, I, I want us to continue. And then they took the lead, and you see the celebrations. They're putting their fingers up to their lips. And then, heartbreakingly, in all this time that was added on for this incident, yeah. Red Bulls then get the equaliser. Yeah. It was like the 107th minute or something. Yeah. The the latest goal in MLS regular season history. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. But the standings in the West, just to, to round this off in a more positive note, because the Whitecaps are in the playoff positions. LAFC unbeaten in the West, but Seattle that are leading the way with 16 points from their seven games. Has the wheels come off St. Louis? 15 from 7. At least they've got those points on the board early. LAFC 3rd and 14 from 6. And then it's Dallas, Minnesota, San Jose all on 11. Houston on 9. Whitecaps on 9. Austin on 7. Below the playoff line, Salt Lake on 6. Colorado on 6. Portland on 5. LA and Kansas City on 3. In the East, Cincinnati are out on top. Did TFC play today, actually? I didn't see if they played or if they had a bye week. Goalless draw with Nashville. Ah, I did see, though, that Montreal did better than last week, but they got spanked 4-0. And, oh, talking of coaches, that coach could be on a shugly peg. You've got to think that change could be coming quick in Montreal. Yeah, Joey Saputo doesn't suffer fools long, and yeah, there's no way that this guy lasts the year. No, I mean, he struggled at DC, he's struggling there, 
I mean, by all accounts, I haven't followed his career in Europe, but he was a good coach in Europe. Sometimes you go to a league and the league's just not for you. So we'll see. But that is our MLS roundup. That is not it for the show. We've got one more part to come. And we're going to be turning our attention to WFC2 in the next part. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ricardo Clark. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's one of our favourite artists at AFTN from Russia with love. It's Ice Peak. They had the number one song in our 2022 Festive 15. Will they do it again? Maybe not with this song, but it's a good song. It's a new single, Worm, featuring Australian artist Kim Dracula as well. It's a really good animated video for it, so check that out on YouTube. Love this band so much. Still absolutely gutted that when they did their North American tour last year, they didn't come anywhere near Vancouver, but fingers crossed, I can get to see them soon. So for this final part of the show, we've got uh, another feature interview to bring you, and we're going to turn our attention to Whitecaps 2. Because WFC 2 made it two wins out of two last weekend. It was a penalty shootout win down at LAFC 2. So see, Whitecaps teams can win down there. Admittedly, it wasn't at BMO Stadium or against a team stacked with the talent that the first team have. But still, don't shit in my dreams. WFC 2, five points out of six now to start the season. There's been some excellent individual performances from the two so far, as well as a great team effort all round. Cam Habibula has hit two absolute bangers, one in each game so far. Several new additions in the squad this season. We spoke to a new but familiar face a couple of episodes ago in Whitecaps Academy alumni Gloria Amanda. And he's one of several attackers keen to impress this season, like Habibula, draft pick Levante Johnson, former York United player Lyle Wright, 
and former Atletico Ottawa player Antoine Coupland. Now, Coupland has started both of the Caps matches so far, scored the winner against Timbers 2 in the team's season opener. He's looked impressive, hungry to show what he can do. The 19-year-old has been a top Canadian prospect for a while now, made his pro debut as a 15-year-old with Ottawa Fury in 2019 in the USL Championship, played two seasons with Atletico Ottawa in the CPL in the COVID-shortened 2020 season and then in 2021 as well. He's had training stints with and interest from clubs in Germany, Portugal, England and here in Canada. Montreal wanted to take him into their academy at one point. He signed with Croatian first division side Rijeka in February last year, but came back home to Canada a year later. Joined the Whitecaps, Whitecaps 2. Initially, it was rumoured that he was going to be coming back as a loan signing, but it was an actual signing in the end from the Whitecaps. A very exciting prospect, very interesting journey to the Whitecaps as well. So I sat down with him on Friday afternoon just for a chat about all of that. So go stick the kettle on again. Grab another biscuit of choice, or maybe an Easter egg if you, if you've got that already, and sit back and enjoy a chat with Antoine Coupland. So Antoine, thank you so much for joining us today. How's life for you in Vancouver so far? Uh, life's been pretty good, honestly. It's like I, I was in Croatia before, so it's like from one coast to another coast. Um, I'm liking the city so far. Uh, I mean, the, the facilities are amazing from day one. Uh, the guys welcome me, the coaching staff, everyone's been inclusive. Um, so that's been really nice as opposed to in Croatia. It was kind of a bit more difficult to, to you know, get in with the guys with the language barrier uh, and some of those things obviously overseas it's much more competitive it's it's a different environment i feel like here i've been i've been really welcome and integrated to the group superbly uh, so i'm really happy about that and uh, otherwise life has just been good uh, training playing i think it's getting into the routine of the season now now we're going to add the travels we had travel last week now we're traveling this week to dallas uh, so i think just just keep going on that on that same same path We'll get a little bit into your career in this chat, but just to, to focus on the start to the season, it's obviously been a, a great start for the team. Two wins on the books, five points out of six could very easily have been six points out of six. Yeah. How how do you feel you've integrated into the team? Because it looks like it's just been so smooth. You, you've built up a great understanding with Glory, with Cam, and it just looks like you, you've been playing with these guys for for ages. Yeah, honestly, it's it's... It's surreal. Like it's kind of felt like that as well. It's funny you mention it because I think where we really click is like on the field, but as well off the field. Like with a lot of guys, I have that connection. Uh, you know, there's some guys who are a little bit younger, same age as me. There's a guy, guys who are a bit older. And I think being in professional environments and different environments that I've been through my my young career, I think that's helped me a lot uh, integrate the group and you know being with the guys. And it's just come really naturally. You know, you mentioned that chemistry with Cam. Uh, even Lowell, uh, I think of obviously training as well. There's a, there's a lot of things that people don't see. Um, Levante, Glory, some of those guys. It's it's been really good. I think now we just gotta keep on the same 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 ways we've been going. I think Rico has done an amazing job. The co- the whole coaching staff actually of getting us all on the same page. Like you mentioned, two wins out of two. I think we have to keep going. And just now it's about putting our chances away because I think that's what we lacked in the last two games. You know, we scored three goals, but I think it could have been 
six, seven, even eight goals uh, for myself, Levante, Glory, Cam. I think it's all capitalizing on those things and uh, we should be should be really good. I mean, looking at, at your first game, whenever you come to a new club, especially when you're a forward, there's always pressure on you. It's like when you're going to get your first goal. So to do that in your, your debut, to get the match winner as well, that must have been both a, a joy, but also a little bit of a relief to you to get that first goal under your belt. Yeah, obviously, it's 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 fun to get that goal. I think it wasn't my main focus. It was just getting a good performance. Um, and I think earning that that starting spot because nothing is given, everything is earned. That's kind of my motto. That's what I go with. Um, so I think it's only about playing well. And I think if you play well, you do the things right. You do what the coaching staff has asked you, not only offensively, but also defensively. I think the goals will just come naturally. And like I, I mentioned, it's about capitalizing on those chances. And I think I've had those chances. I just got to get more of them and just capitalize. And I think it will come, obviously, with time, experience, uh, getting to know the guys even better, even more than than what I I'm doing now. Now, obviously, you mentioned you you came back from Croatia. Before that, you were in the the CPL with Atletico Ottawa. Yeah. What was it about Whitecaps two that attracted you to come back to Canada to them as opposed to going back into the CPL? It actually goes a long way. So before, so just to get, just to go a, a little bit ways back, uh, when I was 18, it was always my dream to go to Europe and play football over in Europe. So I was kind of set on that, on that mindset that I would be playing in Europe when I was 18 years old. That's always been my dream. And signing with Rijeka, I, I kind of accomplished that. Um, but between that, there was actually a trial stint in Stuttgart. I was training with their second team. Uh, and as you probably know, Axel is, is German, is, is very well connected in Germany. And that's how we actually found out uh, that I was trialing there. And he was really interested to bring me in at that time. I don't know where it would be with the first team, the second team, uh, however the structure may be. But he was very interested in bringing me over to the Vancouver Whitecaps. And it was obviously, obviously something that we were in communications, we were talking. Uh, it was something that really interested me. And in the end, the project in Rijeka in Croatia really was really, really nice to me. And like I said, it's always been my dream to play in Europe. And that's kind of what I wanted to fulfill. And to say things didn't go the way I expected them to go in Europe, it's obviously difficult as a Canadian to make it. For any Canadian to make it overseas in Europe, it is difficult. It's very challenging. There's a lot of things that are out of your control that that go against you. Um, and I think it was just time for me to move, switch environments. And I felt like coming from coming from Rijeka to the Whitecaps, Vancouver Whitecaps, whether it be Whitecaps 2, Whitecaps 1. I know they have that that connection between MLS team, the MLS, MLS Next Pro team. That was something that obviously attracted me a lot uh, because I do want to make that step to the first team eventually. Obviously, everything in its time. Um, I'm focused on the second team, getting goals, assists, getting helping the team, uh, getting wins. Uh, but ultimately, in the back of my head is making that step to the MLS and the pathway is certainly there at this club. I mean, we saw it last year. Yeah. One thing the club does very well is that they integrate twos and they get these call-ups that you can now have four call-ups over a season, as you know. And then when you see how well Ali and Simon did, they proved themselves in the twos. Now they're doing it in the first team. When yeah. you see stories like that and successes like that, does that just inspire you and make you feel I've definitely made the right decision coming here? It does. And I wanted to mention that as well as like amazing shout out to Ali and um, and who was in Simon, sorry, Ali and Simon to, you know, make that pathway even easier for us players now in the second team, because I think the first team really sees the impact and the potential 
that is in within that second team and Ali and Simon performing at the highest level at the MLS in the Champions League. Uh, you see them getting goals, starts, minutes, and not only minutes, impactful minutes. You know, they have an impact every time they come in. Obviously, I've been following them a lot. I've gotten to know them a bit more. And I think they've made that, that transition and that pathway so much easier. And I think now people are looking into the second team even more than they did before. So I think that definitely makes me feel better about my choice to coming to Whitecaps too. Um, and like I said, ultimately, it's it's proving myself in this league, proving myself within this team, uh, you know, whether it be on the training ground with the first team, on the training ground with the second team, in the games, and eventually that that step will, will come. You've got a head coach as well in WFC2 that's a, a striker that's played at the highest level, played at a World Cup, very storied in, in MLS. Yeah. What do you feel you, that you've been kind of learning from having somebody like him kind of taking you under the wing? Uh, honestly, Rico's an amazing person. Uh, he's an amazing coach, amazing person on and off the field. And I think like his his coaching style is is really good for me um, because you're able to really relate with him. You're you can connect with him outside of the outside of the field. And I feel like that's important for players. A lot of mo- modern day coaches don't have that. I felt like I didn't really have that in Croatia. Uh, just be able to connect and talk easily with Rico. He's such a an, an open person. You can just go up to him. Uh, talk to him and I feel like he's he's very composed he's very calm as well he doesn't really tell you what to do on the pitch obviously he tells we work on a lot on, on tactics and all those things on training but he kind of gives you that that freedom in the game I think that's really something that I enjoy that I like about Rico is is he's really he's really calm and composed um, obviously he knows what he's doing uh, he's very smart very intelligent tactically sound so that's been really good. So I've been able to learn from him. And as, as well, the other thing I wanted to mention is when he joined in on the sessions, that's just fantastic uh, to be able to play play around him, play with him, go against him. Uh, you know, he's had so much experience in his career. You've mentioned it. Um, so it's it's really good to look up to someone like that and to, to learn and take in a lot of things from someone like that. You talked about creation, kind of learning stuff there and obviously language. I, I've been to Croatia once. I went to Dubrovnik and okay. although it's a beautiful country, it's like I can imagine it's a very hard language to try and learn and kind of integrate into. It is. It, it was it, honestly, it was it was very difficult. I've been through a lot of my career. I've, I've you know, I traveled to Germany by myself when I was 15. I've been on so many different trials and I feel like at the beginning, especially with the under-19s, because I was between the first team and the under-19s, mm. I felt like it was so difficult to integrate just the language, and they were so closed, and there was a lot of national team players, and pretty much everyone there was was Croatian, and I was one of the only, if you want to say, outsiders. Uh, so I think integrating there was was very difficult, and the only way for me to do that was proving myself on the pitch, and slowly and slowly, I was there for a year, and I'd say towards the 8th, ninth, 10th month, that's when they really like accepted me within their group because I was proving myself on the pitch. And that's kind of what I have to do everywhere I go. And that's how I did it here. I think if I go back to one of my first training sessions within the first week, we played an inter-squad and I scored three goals in the inter-squad. And that was just from there on, guys started talking to me more, like integrating me within the group. Um, So I think that's how how I've really done it and throughout my career. Born in a place called Chelsea, I guess obviously that sets you on a on a footballing path. But yes, when, when did you know that you had what it took to to be a pro? Because obviously you broke through very early with Ottawa Fury, just age yeah. fifteen. So yeah. when did you know that you could actually make this? And how, was it always a dream from a very early young age? It was always, I would say, it was always a dream. I started when I was about three, four years old, but I really started to believe in it when I was about. Actually, it was. 
I play with Futural Soccer Academy, and one of my teammates, actually, Elijah Ba, is also from that academy. Yeah. Um, so that's that's very interesting to have that chemistry because he's a right back and I'm a right winger. So we play on the right side. Uh, so we always have that 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 chemistry. Um, but I'll mention I'll talk about that later. Obviously, if you want. Yeah. Um, if, if you've got time, I'll I'll happily talk to you about surely, stuff. Surely, surely, surely. Um, so I think the moment I started realizing is when we went on an English Premier League trip, and we played against five academies. I think Southampton, Leicester, uh, Swansea, Cardiff, and another one. I think it was Bristol. And in that in that tournament or, or friendly games, however you want to call it, I was really tearing it up. I scored, I think, five goals, five assists, uh, 10 points in five games. And I was doing incredibly well for myself. And that's when I really started to believe, like, this is the environment. This is what it, it is being a pro in Europe or at least an academy pro in Europe. And then I kind of realized that's that's what I want to do with my life. That's where I want to go. That's my career path. That's my career choice. And from then on, I just worked put in extra hours training with my team training with older guys going to carlton university training with those those university players when i was 13 14 15 years old and then obviously i was very blessed to have the opportunity uh to go on trial with the, the ottawa fury and thanks to julian de guzman very popular name uh within the canadian community uh so he really took me under his wing and that's that's where it where it all started what was it like making your debut so early because obviously I, we've had young guys come through here. You look at Fonzie be, being the prime example. And when you make your debut at 15, it brings a little bit of maybe added pressure to you because folk are like, oh, here's the next wonder kid. Like we, We've seen it so much in Scotland. Like Ryan Gold got that when he was yeah. coming through the, the ranks in Scotland. D- did you feel that pressure? Or could you did, you did you have a proper moment to take it all in as to what you were doing? Honestly, it kind of felt surreal throughout throughout that first year. Even leading up to my debut, I was like, I'm 15 years old, training with guys who are 25, 26, 27, 30 years old, professional who've, who've played, who have different experience, different backgrounds, uh, whether they played in Europe, in South America. So it kind of felt for, surreal at that moment. But to be honest with you, I never really felt that pressure. And I still don't feel that pressure because when I'm on the pitch, I just enjoy it. And football is, is really what I love doing. <clears throat> So whenever I come to the training ground, whenever I play, it's just it's just about enjoying it. And I think when you enjoy it, that's when you play your best football. And that's what my parents always tell me. So I try to just uh, relax and 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 be in the moment and just enjoy football. And I don't really feel that that sort of pressure. What do you remember about your first professional goal? I've got it down as July 2021. I can't read my writing. Was that against Cavalry? It was. Uh, actually, funny you say so because... The, the one thing that does stand out is the comment, like the kind of negative commentary about my goal, because I, I should have done the same thing that VT Martinez, he passed it to me for an open goal. And I should have done that same pass to him a couple minutes earlier in the game. And kind of the, the commentary kind of said, I don't know, I think it was, might have been Terry Dunfield, or he said something like, VT Martinez is showing the kid what to do, like what he should have oh. a couple of minutes ago. So that's kind of something that that comes up. But obviously, it was a great moment. I was very emotional, and uh, I, I did dedicate that goal to my uh, grandfather who passed a couple of years ago. So it was it was an emotional moment for me. Um, so hopefully, there's there's many more, and there has been more. Um, so hopefully, I just could keep keep going on that tally. So just last thing, it's been a, a pleasure chatting with you. You, you kind of touched on it, but your hopes for this season just to go show what you can do. 
try and get that first team contract. And I guess if you get any call-ups along the way, that will just be an added bonus for you. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just about about taking everything in, being in the environment, you know, living living beside guys like, I don't know, Cordova, Tiber, some of the more experienced guys when you think of Gold, um, Gressel, you know, seeing those guys' lifestyles, just taking everything in when you're at the facilities, being in the gym with them, being around those guys, uh, seeing what their life is like and taking everything in. And obviously, when you get on the pitch with them, if you get that opportunity to train, which I, I've already been training with the first team, I've had that opportunity. Um, I think it's making the most of those little moments, those little chances that you get. And then obviously with the second team, just just do my thing, uh, get on the score sheet, get goals, get assists. Most importantly, help the team out uh, to get wins, get starts. Um, I think those are some of my my goals for this season. And ultimately, like I mentioned at the back of my head, is that first team contract, that first team call up. Uh, that MLS debut, whether it be or Concacaf debut, where whatever it may be, uh, just being around the first team, earning that contract, and playing with the first team. Fantastic. Well, we're delighted to to have you here. I'm glad you you chose Vancouver as your place to come. Wish you all the very best for for the season. I'll I'm sure I'll chat to you after a few games over the course of the year as well. Hopefully, um, just, that's great. Thank you so much for your your time, Antoine. Um, yeah, it's been fun watching you so far, and I'll. Probably see you in a couple of weeks when you're back at Swanguard. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you for having me on. It was amazing. And Van Coupland there doing the dangerous thing. Nathan clearly hadn't briefed him properly when he's doing an interview with me. Don't say, oh, yeah, I've got all the time in the world. Do you want me to expand (laughs) on that? (laughs) But... I'd, I'd like to, to pick his brains a lot more because he has had a very interesting journey. Yeah. He's a guy that had interest at a young age and he could have gone to Montreal's academy but didn't want to leave home. He felt he was too young to go and do that and be in that academy system. So then came through Ottawa Fury in his hometown and had a chance to go to Sheffield United on trials and stuff, but again chose to, to not. So he's made good decisions. I think he's been highly touted for a while. And... I think he is one of these guys, and it's early days, I know, but I think the Whitecaps like the look of him. I've really liked what I've seen. The way that he's linking up with Cam Habibula is excellent. And you've got him and Glory kind of pushing themselves, and he could be one of the breakout guys that could have this MLS deal. Fully expect him to get an MLS call-up. Even maybe get a little nod for this Champions League game on Tuesday on the bench. If they do want to call a few of the WCA, WFC two guys up, him and Glory could be two guys that I could see that they could maybe do that with. Is that, Does that count towards their four call-ups and two appearances? Yeah, two sadly. Oh, yeah. I hope for his sake that, it does, that he doesn't. Cause I, think I mean, I'd also like to see Cam get a little shout out as well because he's got his MLS deal because I mean he's earned it from his two performances with WFC2 so far yeah Cam I think honestly needs to prove it over the long haul because yeah. Cam's shown great great things it, there's been great excitement around him and some of his abilities however last year when he was at Pacific he was not able to show any level of consistency that would would prove that he's worth you know Worth the the Whitecaps first team, and from, from my understanding, anyways. Um, so, and even from the, the, the what I did get to see of him play was not well. Yeah, he just wasn't wasn't good enough for long long enough periods of time. 
to to be have a place in an MLS uh, roster. Um, yeah, I, he's he's come back into Whitecaps fold with a little bit of not a chip on his shoulder, but feeling he's got a point to prove. Yeah, and so he, that's the thing though; he needs really to prove that over it. a longer period of time. Yeah, like a couple of good games, and I agree with you. He has a couple. He's had a couple of good games, but it needs to be yeah over a much longer period of time. And you're right; it's interesting the the group of players they put together, and yeah, like how well known they are, <laughs> um, and the experiences they've had, and the potential for them to either kick on in Vancouver or or elsewhere is going to be really interesting to see what happens with them, because definitely all of them can't make the breakthrough. And yep. in, in at least not this year. And what will that mean for the, will they want to stick around for another year or will they want to pursue other opportunities at, at different levels? Um, well, you saw with Easton and Garrow, the, yeah. the Whitecaps wanted him to, to start the year off in WFC two. He wanted that first team deal. They weren't going to yep. give it to him. And like, to be fair, like, yeah, he had a few good performances, but I don't think he had shown a hundred percent that he, he deserved an MLS deal just yet. Yeah. But he's also a guy who I think, in part wanted to be in like not in a reserve team. He wanted to be in an actual competition, yep. right? Like I think he And I having... think he's got a good move, like going to Pacific. He's oh, yeah. Exactly I will talk about this in the next show. But I mean he's gone now to a place that is where he should be. He's gone to a better place. Yeah, with great potential, especially in yep. going forward. I and think they're a, a little done. A that he knows. We'll talk about this in the on the, in yeah. the midweek, but yeah, I think they're a little susceptible at the back, but they're they're looking good going forward. Yeah. But which could be the opposite of Vancouver FC. But anyway, <laughs> that that is pretty much it now for the show. But of course, we are going to finish the show with this week's wavelength, and I, I've gone for a very melodic and acoustic song from a, a young singer songwriter from Cambridge called Ellie Dixon. Um, she was on a BBC One show with Patrick Kilty, and they, they had challenged the listeners to to get in touch with football chants that she could kind of do in an acoustic way with her guitar. So some Celtic fans had got in touch and they wanted her to to do a, a version of the the song that they do for the, their Portuguese player, Jota, who I don't mm. know if you're totally yeah. familiar with Jota or not. Yeah. So they've got a song for Jota that is based on a, a Euro pop song from a... Th- think the early noughties, might be the late 90s, by a band called Ozone, and it's a, a song, Dragostea Dean Tai, which you might know it goes, la da da di, la da da da, la da da do, la da da ha ha. Don't know if you're familiar with that song, maybe it's just a big hit in Europe. But anyway, the Celtic fans do a version of that for their player Jota. So they challenged Ellie Dixon to do a version of that. It went down so well that she recorded the proper acoustic version. It's on her YouTube channel. It's had over 100,000 views. So this is Ellie Dixon, Jota on the Wing. When you score, you make the Celtic sing. Jota on the wing, Jota, Jota on the wing. Every time you're on the ball, we know it's going to be a goal. A superstar from Portugal, when you score, you Celtic sing, Jota on the wing, Jota Jota on the wing. Every time you're on the ball, we know there's gonna be a goal. A superstar from Portugal. When you score, you make the Celtic sing. 
Jota on the wing, Jota Jota on the wing. Every time you're on the ball, we know there's gonna be a goal, our superstar. When you score, you make the Celtic sing. Jota on the wing, Jota Jota on the wing. Every time you're on the ball, we know there's gonna be a goal, our superstar from Portugal. Absolutely fantastic stuff there from Ellie Dixon, Jota on the Wing. I guarantee that song is going to be stuck in your head all week. I have been singing it a lot since I heard it a couple of weeks back. My wife, who doesn't like football, has found herself singing it at work and hates me for it. It's just one of those really catchy songs. But I I think it it could be adopted by TSS Rovers for Eric Edwardson. Or who's going to be the Vancouver FC winger, would you say, that's going to be the the standout guy for them? Sandoval? Well, yeah, Sandoval actually sometimes plays through the middle, but sometimes plays in particular, I believe, through ideally through the left, although he does pop up on the right as well. Also, uh, I forget his last name, but Nicky. Um, oh yeah, I, I had trouble pronouncing that in the commentary yeah. today. Cause it's got Let's just call him Nikki. Yeah, Nikki, I, I did in Nikki, the end. <laughs> Nikki looks like he does. He'll have some good pace to play out, out wide. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else will look good. I mean, uh, Quack, if he doesn't play left back, might yeah, play left he, wing. He had an interesting game today, but yeah, he started left back. Uh he started no because he went or, three at the back again. Yeah, so left he wing. Kind of played left full left back, wing back, left wing. Yeah. Yeah, I I like Crawford. I think between him and Crawford, the the they'll they'll be okay at that mm. at that spot. But um, yeah, the 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 spine at the back is is the most important. And yeah, I think one of the league's top like keepers a, and a beast just now. Yeah, so maybe we won't get a song jot on the wing for Vancouver C. Let, let's stick with Eric Edwardson for TSS. So for any of the TSS fans listening to this, this is just my my suggestion for you. Every time I see the Rover score. Hear the swan guard roar, it is something I adore, and the man to make swan guardian sing. Eric on the wing, Eric, Eric on the wing, na 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 na, na 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 na, na 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 na. It's good, I, I like it. Yeah. It's no Marco Bustos song that no, I came up with I mean, guys, but yeah. There we go. That, yeah, that's, well you came with that for yourself, but we just use it because it was good. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm good. I'm a good singer-songwriter. Well, maybe not singer. I'm a good songwriter. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> that is it, though, for this episode of the AFD and Soccer Show. Any final thoughts from you, Zach? Obviously, we're going to have our CPL special out midweek, but if you want to plug any CPL stuff now, this would be a good time to do it. Yeah, no. Uh, look, looking forward to the league kicking off next Saturday. Looking forward to uh, making my way to the island with the family and uh, a bunch of people who want to be there for the inaugural game away to Pacific should be good times um, yeah I, I've just got a DM from Har that I probably shouldn't oh. read out on this show but, oh, but you're going to yeah she said played a trick on Nathan and Toss told them Jake scored and they got all excited you <laughs> <laughs> 
I told her to say to Brian, hey, it's a good day for the Jersey boys. You both scored for Cascadian teams. <laughs> oh, I love her. Oh, had a really a... nice uh, lunch after training on Tuesday as well. So I had a, a good catch-up chat. We'll get her back on the show soon. So, yeah, for that was me, good. Um, just check out our YouTube videos had a lot of provincial cup youtube stuff up some tss videos as well i had hoped to shoot some altitude videos to today as well but it's just too wet to get that done um we've got our cpl special coming out on thursday i'll give you a few teasers we're going to be speaking to phil desantis valor fc head coach hopefully if pacific fc ever get back to me we'll be speaking to james merriman and I had a chat with Callum Irvin today and we'll do some more Vancouver FC chats this week as well to, to bring you on that show. So watch for that dropping at some point on Thursday. And we'll, we'll look a little season preview and have a look at the kits as well. But thank you for being with us this Easter weekend. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the show. We will be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Happy Easter. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.